0: impact podcast our mission is to get better OADB that's right on a daily basis the coaches impact is the X's and O's of personal and professional growth we'll talk about character standards of excellence core values mindset leadership and many other topics on our way to living a growth mindset together we'll embark on the journey of getting one percent better every day get ready to be inspired and gain insights into the power of coaching and the importance of cultivating a growth mindset. Get ready to broaden your impact. Let's go. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Coach's Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Zeller. This episode is all about athletic administration and coaching coaches. Today, we're talking with the executive director of the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association, Coach Rusty Dowling. Coach Dowling, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jay, it's good to be with you. Um, Looking forward to this,
0: thank you for having me. Yeah, me too, I I appreciate you making some time for me and and coming on, uh, and and just to kick things right off, I think one of the most exciting pieces about today is is for me one, but I think for all of our listeners, just getting to know, know you a little bit better, so let's just start there. Tell us about yourself, uh, your coaching career prior to becoming the executive director of the THS ADA.
1: Okay, will do, yeah. Um, well, actually, I was, uh, I'm the I'm son of a Navy veteran. I was born in Charleston, South Carolina at the Naval base right there. And uh, eventually we moved up to South Dakota. And uh, I went to school in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, played all the sports, football, baseball, um, did all of that. And uh, upon graduation from high school, I went on and played college football at a place called Morningside University, which is in in Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, After graduating from uh, Morningside, I coached for two years in a couple little small towns in Iowa. And then I ended up uh, going as the offensive line coach to Northeast Missouri State University. Coached there two years, then went back to my alma mater, went back to Morningside, uh, and coached there, coached the offensive line there. And uh, it was at Morningside, it was about in 1983, I believe, uh, when one day our head coach walked into the office and said that he was taking a job as a linebacker coach at Kansas State. So we were all looking, for work, like college coaches do, and I was getting ready to take a job up at the University of North Dakota uh, as the offensive line coach, until a friend of mine in Omaha, Nebraska, called me and he said, uh, "He said, uh, look, he said, I just took a job down in Mission, Texas, as a head football coach. Would you be go- interested in going to Texas to coach in high school football?"
2: Hmm.
1: I said, "No." Don't want to do that. Don't want to coach high school football. Um, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go co- coach college football. So fortunately, he said to me, he goes, well, think about it. I'm going to call you tomorrow and, and talk to you some more about it. Of course. And I told him, I said, well, you're wasting your time. <laughs> well, thank goodness he did not listen to me and he called me back and he said, uh, and this was in February. So up in the Midwest, it's really cold mm-hmm. and it's snowing and uh he called me back and he said uh, uh this is what you coach this is how much i'll pay you uh these are the these are the classes you'll teach and the very next day i was on an airplane flying to mission texas wow and i, I went down there in 1983 so i spent a couple of years as an assistant coach at mission texas then i moved up to the head coach at mission texas hmm. uh, Left mission, went to San Antonio, John Jay for two years. From John Jay, I came over to Texas City as the athletic director and head football coach for 10 years. Went up to McKinney uh, as the uh, athletic director and head football coach. And it was in McKinney that I left coaching and that was in probably about 02, I think, and decided to just get into athletic administration And became their district athletic director because we had just built and uh, North High School was in full operation. And then we were building Boyd High School at the time. So I went into athletic administration. And then uh, after that, uh, came back down to Houston, was offered the KDISD athletic director job, which I was absolutely going to take. And uh, served there until 2012. And then in 2012, I became the executive director of the THSADA.
0: Wow, what a story! That's yeah. fun. I, I knew that's... very little, uh, if if any, of that. So that's that was fascinating. Uh, I'm always intrigued by coaches that go state to state and and just kind of that journey and how you do it. So it, uh, the persistence of your friend uh, is, is your why in coming to Texas, which is awesome. So I'm glad he was persistent.
1: He was. I think we are, too, because it ended up working out real well for our family. And I sure, would uh, met him through recruiting. I used to recruit the Omaha area when I was at Morningside, and I knew him through recruiting. And uh, um, I'm, I'm glad he was persistent, and I'm glad he didn't listen to me in that first phone <laughs> conversation. And he called me back. So uh, Absolutely. very fortunate.
0: Well, uh, I'm curious then, you know, from Katie to... THS ADA. How, how does that even happen? What was the association like a, at that time? And then, you know, how did you get that start?
1: Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, Jay. Uh, prior to me coming on, and I, I took the job in March of 2012. And prior to me taking the job, the THSADA was a strictly all-volunteer organization. And so when, when uh, the powers that be at the time, Uh, that were in in the offices of president, et cetera, of THSADA, they had come to the conclusion that we just needed a a lot more consistency in our association in doing the things that we wanted to do, whether it's with region meetings, whether it was a state conference, and whether it was just being an advocate for athletic administrators on a year-round basis. And, again, it was those individuals that decided that we needed an executive director. Well, two years prior to that, when I was still at Katy, one of the things I did is I started working with the association and I was doing sponsorships. So I was selling and marketing on behalf of the THSADA while I was still a director of athletics in the KDISD. And so that's how I got my foot in the door with the administration of THSAD, with the presidents, with the board, et cetera and so the movement started to say let's let's get an executive director let's start to recreate this organization and again let's make this more of a advocate for thsa or for athletic directors in the state so they created the job they went to several interviews and they hired me in march of 2012 and that was just and and it coincided ironically with my decision to retire from from KDISD, I had put my years in. I was ready to retire. I'm sure that's one <laughs> of the reasons I got the job is I was set to retire, and to go, hey, he'd be perfect for this because he's retiring. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and there was truth to that. There was absolute truth to that. So that's how it worked out. I had spent some time working with THSADA, got to know everybody, and then um, got hired to be the very first executive director of the THSA game, been doing it ever
0: since. Wow. Outstanding. So yeah. it's interesting to know, I, I didn't know that timeline. My, my last year coaching was the 13, 14 school year, and I was an AP 14, 15. And I, I got into athletic administration at Grapevine Colleyville in the start of the 15 school year. So uh, I, I'm about three years behind you, but I will tell you since that year, just in my time in the association, the, the amount of growth uh, is just phenomenal. You know, the regional meetings and the, the, our three uh, annual meetings with the, the state conference, the, the fall forum and the spring showcase, yeah. and yeah. then just uh, all of the, you know, Quad A, we'll get into some of these things uh, later, but that just shows the growth just over the, what, the last two, maybe three years in total, and the opportunities that we have that, that weren't there even when I started. So it's it's come a long way in a short amount of time.
1: Well, the interesting dynamic, Jay, when I first started, my very first day on the job, the THSADA had a total membership of 238 people. Oh wow. That was the that was the membership. <laughs> and now we're really close to about eighteen hundred. Hmm. So we've grown considerably over the years, and, and a lot of that is just in the consistency of someone dealing with the association, implementing the programs, the initiatives and overseeing all that stuff. And I think the potential was always there, but once an executive director got in, whether it was me or somebody else, uh, I think the growth was inevitable that that was going to happen, particularly in the state of Texas where, you know, there's, there's just, (laughs) there's a lot of people. There's just a lot of people. So anyway, yeah, worked out well.
0: Yeah. So, I, and I didn't front load this, but it, this conversation in the last few minutes kind of sparked this for me. Talk about, if you can, the the growth in your office with bringing in bringing Bob in to help.
1: Yeah. Originally, yeah. That, that's, um, I appreciate you asking that. Um, uh, yeah, Bob's indispensable.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Bob is absolutely indispensable with, with with what we do, and he was at one time the president of the association. And so I've known Bob a, a long time. I was the executive director when he was president early on. Uh, but when we first started this, uh, it was me and actually my secretary from KDISD that had retired at the same time I did. So okay. I asked her to stay on and just help me. And, and she did for a couple of years. And then, of course, then, then she retired. But over the period of time, we, we, we started adding people on. So within our association, uh, we have three that work full-time for THSADA. There's Bob DeYoung, there's Alyssa Unger, and there's myself, and we're the full-timers. And then we have a series of part-time people that help us as well. Diane McKay uh, works our finances. Mary Cooksley is our membership director. Johanna Denson, He's a longtime former athletic director, is mm-hmm. the head of our TAC program, our professional development program. And we just kind of kept adding on from there with, with, with different staff members. You know, we have someone handles our marketing and our sponsorship for us. And so we've, we, we've grown. We've really taken a, a, a good angle up and we've grown and we've added people that have come in to help us promote this association. And, and work through it. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a nice growth from the office standpoint. we we got a number of really good people working for us.
0: Outstanding. Well, I, I, my, one of my favorite questions is, is asking about stories. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of stories, and our, and our profession provides us with many of them. Looking back on a, on a long career, what are one or two of your favorite memories and why? Maybe one from coaching and, and one from your AD or, or THS ADA days.
1: Well, tough let's to pick see. One. But, well, you know, when you're as old as I am, you know, you got quite a few of them. Some stick out a lot more than others. But uh, there is one co- good coaching story uh, when I was coaching down in Mission. And uh was coaching down the valley, loved it down there, loved coaching at Mission, a really good place. Uh, still got a lot of friends down there. But we're out at we're out at spring training one year, um, and uh, this is the month of I think it was probably May, and of course it's you know two hundred degrees out, a really hot hot day out there in, in Mission, and we're just struggling a little bit of practice, and uh, you know it's hot, and I think we'd been we were in our third week of practice, mm-hmm. and um, just really struggling, and so you know I think I think I had. I finally had enough of the way we were practicing. And I remember calling the team together, getting them in front of me and uh, talking to them about, you know, we got to step it up. You know, we still got half a practice to go. We got to get going. Uh, I'm sure it was along those lines. And it was probably rather intense at the time. (laughs) But nevertheless, I was trying to stress to them the importance of practice. Well, I could see when I was talking to them, a lot of them were like looking past me. And of course that just made me more upset because mm-hmm. they weren't paying attention to me. And I realized that when I was talking to them, there's, there's somebody behind me. <laughs> I turn around. It's Tom Landry.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, because Tom Landry's from Mission, Texas, mm. and uh, and his and his uh, his family was there. His sister, I think, lived there at, at the time. But anyway, he he was down visiting, and uh, he walked on the field. And, Coach, you having some problems? I <laughs> said, <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, we're just having a hard time. We're having a hard time going a little bit here. So uh, that was that was the one. And of course, immediately when. Coach Landry, and I was there too when we dedicated, and that was part of the reason he was there. Hmm. We dedicated the field down in Mission, Texas to Coach Landry. Hmm. Cool. And uh, that was, yeah, that was an exciting day. That was just all, all the national media and a lot of the Dallas Cowboys were there and, and so on and so forth. But wow. when Coach Landry walks on to the field, that'll get your attention. Oh, yeah. Quick,
0: so I have to know? ask, did, yeah. did was the rest of the pr- practice productive or was it all uh, just done at that point with, with Coach Landry there?
1: No, we were pretty upbeat. Good. We were pretty upbeat. <laughs> I think all the players thought they could be draft picks for the Dallas Cowboys. They oh, yeah. They got to show up pretty good at practice. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, it, it picked up It picked up significantly. And the thing that I would tell you is uh, he came into the locker room to talk to the players and was incredible. He was abs- absolutely incredible. And one of the things, too, I remember about him is when he was talking to the players, And and again, this was at a time over a three-day period that we were dedicating the stadium to him. And um, one of his guys that that works with him came in as he was talking to the kids and said, Coach, we got to go. We got to get to the next interview. And he remember him turning around and looking at this guy and goes, I'm not done talking to the kids yet. Hmm. And so he stayed there for about another five, six minutes, talked to the players, and and it was interesting too. He intermingled English and Spanish when he was wow. talking to him, hmm. and that was yeah, that was pretty neat. And uh, uh, so that was uh that was <laughs> that was an interesting time. That'll get your attention real quick. And the fact that Coach Landers was a was a pretty good size was a pretty good sized guy. He was he was a big man, hmm. and uh, yeah, it get your attention real
0: quick. Yeah, I'm glad I yeah. asked that. Now uh, yeah, that, yeah. that's a great story. That that may be yeah. one of the greatest
1: yeah that, that is a good one it, uh many, many, many years ago, but it was it's a good story. yeah, it is yeah, it
0: is so this next one is this could be a very basic question, or it could be pretty broad. so just handle it, however is easiest. Uh, but I'm curious to get your thoughts either way. How has the coaching okay. profession changed since you were last on the sidelines or or has it?
1: <laughs> well, I, I think it. I think it's changed some. Mm. You know, I, I would look at it and go, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, I was able to. I was in it when we were doing sixteen millimeter film, <laughs> when we started doing videotape, and when we started doing, uh, uh, you know, more turns to huddle part of it. Right. And so I got to see all that as a coach, and certainly as an athletic director too. So. I got to see a lot of that stuff evolve over a period of, over a period of time. And, um, you know, to me, the, the, the biggest change is just in the way coaches work. Um, I, I like to think that, you know, kids are kids and, uh, their problems and their issues and in, in the in the way they grow up may be a little bit different, but they're still, you know, you, you, are still concerns and as adults and, and as coaches, you're still involved with them and you're still working with them just like they did 50, 60, 70 years ago, whatever the case may be. The biggest thing in coaching though, for me, has just been the evolved the evolving of how you coach and, mm-hmm. and what your tools are. And, and all of that, I, I kid a lot of the younger coaches. I go, you know, if I had all the, Tools and resources you had, I might still be coaching, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, we didn't have all that. And and I, I've seen that a lot change um, the way coaches uh, prepare, the way coaches get ready, the way coaches hold practice, and so on. I've seen that that change tremendously. The other thing too that that I would say is, I know when we when I was coaching at Mission back in the 1980s, and <clears throat> we were running a spread offense back then and this was in 83 84 85 86 87 and no one else was doing that and one of the the interesting stories Jay, that that i'll share with you on that is i've seen the change in offense go from you know the single wing uh the wing t to the wishbone to the veer to the eye and to where we are now Mm -hmm. And I can recall back in the 1980s, uh, I was speaking at a clinic, and at Mission, Texas, we were running a one-back offense when really no one else was doing that. No one else was doing that. In fact, we couldn't find anybody to really act as a resource for us as we were developing the offense. Mm-hmm. And this might tie into the one of the stories, but uh, uh, but it does talk about the evolution of certainly the game of football anyway. Um, I was speaking at a clink in, in, in Corpus Christi in 1980, and it was me and Hal Mummy, And we were we were speaking together on the passing offense. And he was more split back and I was more one back, but we, were, we combined our, our talk. And then when we got done, <laughs> when we got done, we, we said, we're going to go host a breakout session and we'll be down the hall in this room. So we went down the hall and me and Hal, and we're down there, and one coach showed up. Wow. You know, nowadays, that's all anybody does anymore right. throw the ball.
0: Right. That, that you room know, would be standing that, room only.
1: Standing room only, absolutely. And but back then, it was no, one coach showed up. And then I think he left about 10 minutes. And it was, <laughs> it was just Hal and I. And actually, Hal and I got on a board and started. Uh, I remember he and I talked about a mesh route that that I think he still runs. Uh, We got on a board and started talking about that. So uh, anyway, that's, I've seen the game change that way significantly. Um, And, and coaches being able to prepare and how they resource themselves. That's, that's changed dramatically in, in everything, not just football, but in all of our sports.
0: Right. Well, So I know I'm not alone in this next topic. Hiring coaches has become increasingly more difficult in the last few years. Principals would say the same thing about teachers. What advice would you give to athletic directors during the spring and summer hiring seasons to be able to help fill their staffs and and get to 100%? Go
1: to where the coaches are. (laughs) That's really a good question, Jay. That's a great um, answer. (laughs) Yeah, I know when I was in in Katy, and well, McKinney, when I was A.D. McKinney, and uh, uh, certainly the athletic guy from Katy, I never never, uh, counted on going through resumes that came into my office. I went out and looked for people.
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, when our HR department would go to Iowa or Illinois or whatever, like a lot of HR departments do, I'd go along with them. And we would we would we would go to I remember spending two and a half days out in El Paso, New Mexico, going around to the different universities, going to the job fairs, and going to hire people there because uh, I realized that that you know you just can't count on those resumes and those applicants coming into you if you're just sitting behind your desk all day and uh, right. going through resumes. So mm-hmm. as I said, you know you, you get in your car, you go where the coaches are. And that's what I would do. And I did that many, many times. And that's what I would tell them. I even told a couple of ADs this year, you know, you, you got to get out and go. Mm-hmm. I would go to the different association clinics. I'd go to tennis coaches, swim coaches, TABC. I would go to all the clinics and recruit coaches for KDISD and uh, get a lot of that. And did I like to think we did well with that. And uh we were able to get a lot of face-to-face time and, and such. So uh-huh.
2: that's,
1: that's, that's my advice, uh, to athletic directors is, you know, fill your truck up, get out and go, that's what you got to go do. And particularly nowadays, because it's a lot harder now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, there's just not as many applicants, right? Not, you know, there's so many other things for those young people to get into. So, uh-huh. uh, I I think it's a good strategy. I I truly do.
0: Yeah, I will tell you that's gold. Uh, I'm glad I asked that question, and uh, what a great response! And uh, if nobody else was listening to that, I was. Uh, And I will tell you (laughs) what I've learned down here. You know, this is starting year two for me at Brazosport ISD, and I've spent all of my my days in education in North Texas, whether it was Northeast Texas or or the DFW area. Uh, other than the the two before coming here in central Texas, it it was such a a large area that I I didn't have the same experiences in hiring that that we're having now, but it it was also a little bit different time when I left grapevine Colleyville than it is now. But that said, you know, getting out and and going to find those people and talking to people face to face, building relationships before they come. A lot of times people, people accept jobs based on relationships and, and who's going to be leading them and, and those types of things. So that is such a great piece of advice. And I will soak that up and, and move forward as we, as we look, we're, we're struggling right now at the, at the junior high level that that's where we're yep. seeing the biggest yeah. impact and having the most difficult time finding uh, or filling our staffs.
1: That's a very good point, Jay. And I'd like to say, and that many years ago, and I'll, again, I'll say when I was in McKinney, that, that was the impetus for me figuring out what I needed to do was because we couldn't staff our junior highs, mm-hmm. and no one was applying for jobs. And you'd look at the resumes and they don't have the right teaching fields. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't want to, uh, for whatever reason you did, it was hard. And so I remember, uh thinking about that at the, at the at the three four junior highs we had at the time and that's when the wheels started going and said you know i i got to go where these folks are so i figured out where every association was having their their conventions and i went to every one of them some of them ones out of state i went to oklahoma went to louisiana went a couple of years to louisiana had good luck over in louisiana because they were anxious to come to texas to work and then uh, New Mexico and so on. But it started with exactly what you said was we got to go get some junior high coaches. We can't put these teams out in the field or on the court or on the track and, and not have good coaches. So um, that's, 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 that's extremely important. So, um, yeah. and I, and as you said too, I, I think it's more so now with all the other options our young people have for, for, their careers outside of teaching and coaching. So Mm -hmm. yeah, very important.
0: Yep. Uh, So you, you've spent many years in the coaching ranks and and now of course you're, you're leading athletic administrators across the state. I may get you fired up on this one. So you you might have to, you might have to, you might have to rein in, in your comments some, because my guess is you could go a full uh, segment on this, but give us your thoughts on why athletics and athletic programs and coaching is so important.
1: Well, that is a fabulous question, and and I I always have some different thoughts on that. You know, I I look at the obvious reasons why athletic programs are so important because of of, of you know it's, it, it it builds competitiveness, it builds camaraderie, it builds personality, character, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I believe in all of that. Uh, I also believe it creates a lifestyle. Mm. And I've always I've always believed that there are so many, and I know you 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 you've seen them too. There are so many young men and young women that are, most of them are never going to go on to be college athletes, and certainly not going to be professional athletes. But it's the lifestyle of a young man or young woman being in athletics, being around athletics. And living in that lifestyle that they just love. Mm-hmm. They love going to practice. They love being around athletes. They love working out on their own. They like talking about their sports. Um, and it, it's a it's a it's a lifestyle. And it's and it's up to coaches and and teachers to to facilitate that lifestyle because it's so important to those young people that they they evolve in that lifestyle. It it brings out. Uh, their character; it brings them out of their shell, so to speak, and and they experience success, in the in the athletic lifestyle. And on top of that, they can have some successes, individual successes or team successes. So you know, there's 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 nothing negative there. It's all a positive, and it's so very important to go out and and, and I've always believed this you've got to hire good coaches that know how to facilitate that lifestyle and that culture mm-hmm. with our young people so that they have positive experiences. That is so important. And, uh, you know, I can remember when my two children were coming up and, and playing sports and, and how much they valued and looked up to their coaches and, and, and what they thought about their program. And my son who did go off and play college football, how much he just thrived just being an athlete, not even necessarily having success. He was very fortunate. He had some success, but he just loved living that lifestyle of being an athlete, mm. and uh, that was so so important. and And I know it made him it made him grow up. It made him become a responsible adult, like it did my daughter, and uh, and as it has many many kids. So that's what I think some of the underlying positives of of athletics are, and um, truly. Truly believe in, and I know the over I got as a coach that was more prevalent with me to understand that. You know, I've got to create some good environments here for these kids. Oh, yeah, we all want to win. Mm. You want to win. I want to win. We all want to win. Uh, but we do want to develop some positive, positive vibes, if you will, for those young men and women. Very important.
0: Yep. Yeah, I love that. We, we talk all the time about. You know, it, in our profession, we like you said, we all want to win. We want we want to be on the right side of that scoreboard. But at the end of the day, we've got to win in lives first and foremost, so that when they leave us, they're they're better prepared. They they understand what structure uh, looks like going from an athletic program structure just to their life, and whether that's college or the workforce or leading a family, uh, it, it, it's transferable. Uh, it, it's learning how to be on time, and and you know, on time is is early. Uh, all of the things that come along with with athletic programs and the life lessons that they learn are, are so huge and, and you hit it, you know, during during your answer. Coaches have a great responsibility of modeling all of those things so that kids see how adults actually handle those those life experiences and, and go and and be successful. So appreciate your answer. Absolutely. There. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely believe that. Yep. So l- l- let's, let's get into your world some. Let's talk a little bit of athletic administration. Okay. What advice would you give to coaches seeking to advance their careers and get into athletic administration?
1: Well, there's, there's two things, and I do get asked that quite a bit. Uh, there's two things I would tell them. I said, first of all, you know, get outside of your comfort zone in your own ISD, in your own school. Get outside of your comfort zone and get involved. Get involved in in supporting another sport. Get involved in supporting uh, campus or ISD administration somehow. Get involved in just getting outside of the frame of what you do. Make yourself noticeable. Raise your profile. Because mm-hmm. people that make decisions are gonna understand that, well, you know, besides being a football coach or besides being a basketball coach or besides being a volleyball coach, you know this person is looking for other things to do this person has some talents because i've seen him do a i've seen him do b i've seen him do c i think that is so so very important the second thing is people got to know who you are you've got to you've got to get in that world of athletic administrators and that's what we i tell a lot of young people that want to get into athletic administration first of all a what i just said about expanding your role in your own school district mm-hmm. and b get into that world of athletic administration. And that's not always easy, but right? you were a coach. I were a coach. I was a coach. And when you first do that, you know, you go from a coaching network into an athletic administrative network. they are two different ones.
2: Mm-hmm. they
1: are two different ones. You're, you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, two, two, two different styles right there. And sometimes that's really hard to go from coaching into an athletic administration. But if you don't do that, you know, the people that are doing the hiring that are the athletic directors, et cetera, they got to be comfortable with who you are. they got to know who you are. And we've got some young coaches and young ADs in the state right now that do a great job of that. They want to grow and they want to be the next athletic director at Brazosport ISD or KDISD or whatever the case may be. And so they get out of their comfort zone a little bit and they, they go to fall for them and they go to the state conference or they request to be on a committee or they request to be a speaker, uh, et cetera. And um, uh, it's tough to do in the beginning, but mm-hmm. it does, it does pay dividends and I've seen it where uh, a, a lot of our young folks have done that and they're getting interviews and they're talking to athletic directors about, well, maybe I can go be an assistant athletic director in this big school district because I remember I've talked to this athletic director several times and may- maybe I can get my foot in the door here. Uh, or I can move up in my own school district if an if a athletic director job opens up and you know I've got a fairly high profile in my district, maybe I'll be considered for this job. So those are the two things that, 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 I, tell, that I tell folks to do yeah. or suggest to them rather than to right. do. Yeah,
0: it's really good advice. Yeah. I yeah. have I can't tell you how many football coordinators, whether it's a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, in the last probably three or four years that I've had this very same conversation to get outside of football, go visit yeah. with the soccer programs, go go watch volleyball games, uh, go to softball and baseball, build those relationships on your campus before that head football coach job opens up. And, and you'll have a much better chance because you've already been doing the things that you're going to be expected to do as a campus leader, and 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 it, it's it's smooth sailing from there, and it's going to give you that much more of a leg up, especially from an internal candidate position. Have if you've already built the relationships. If you start once that job gets posted, it, it's likely too late for those coaches that are already on staff because they 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 they, they read between the lines.
1: That is very true, and and two J, I would tell you that. Nowadays, and certainly it's been since I came in as the executive director and I I have seen it, you know, becoming that athletic director at at a a school district, a big school district, whatever the case may be, isn't about being the head football coach anymore.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It just isn't. It just isn't that way anymore. You know, the head football coach, when he decides to retire or get out of coaching in the old days, used to roll up and to be the athletic director. It is far removed from that now, mm. far removed. And I know you've seen it too, because right. you know you're you're very involved <laughs> in the association, and you've seen that. And I, I tell folks, and I said, you know, it, it it just isn't about that anymore. It's it's about what your skills are as an athletic administrator. It isn't about how many football games you won. Yeah, not anymore. It isn't. Yep. not like that anymore at all. <laughs> so uh, that and that's encouraging. That's encouraging to. Everybody out there, male, female, they, if, even if you're not a football coach, and there's a lot of ADs out there that have never coached a down of football, and they're outstanding athletic directors.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, I can attest to that. I, I'm very thankful that that's no no longer or isn't the case, whichever that may be, because I'm just an old soccer coach. Uh, and what I would tell people is, don't get caught up in the in the teachers' lounge nonsense. That I, I can never do this because. Uh, that's, that's just old way of thinking exactly what you said, put your head down, go to work, uh, build your network and, and you can do anything that you put your mind to the possibilities are there. There's every sport, even athletic trainers are, are represented as athletic directors uh, nowadays. So definitely, uh, don't limit yourself because of whatever sport uh, or activity that you coach.
1: Well, you know, and that's, that's really true, because, and, and you know, a couple people here, in, in, and you know them as well, is mm-hmm. several years ago, you know, I told people, I said, who had ever thought that the athletic director for Odessa and Odessa Permian was never a football coach? You know, Todd <laughs> Nespley. Yeah, you know, Todd was never coached football, and he's the athletic director at Odessa Permian. And then on the flip side too, and it's amazing to me, I still get this from, from some folks is as recently as two years ago is, uh, uh, well, if, if, you know, if we end up hiring a woman to become an athletic director, then, you know, perhaps our football program will suffer. And mm-hmm. I, my comment to that was, well, if you remember a couple years ago, when Cedar Hill and Katie played in the football state championship, mm-hmm. both those athletic directors were women. Mm-hmm. And really good athletic directors. Right. So, you know, you can take that thought, you can put it back on the shelf because yep. that just doesn't exist. Yep. That just doesn't exist. So, yeah, a lot of those old stereotypes—they're—they're they're gone, yeah. and they're gone. Fortunately, they're gone. Yeah.
0: J- just for giggles and to prove the record, knowledge—I know what the answer is, but I'll let you say it. Um, to tell the <laughs> listeners uh, what Todd Vesley coached.
1: Gymnastics.
0: Yes. So there you go, people. Get after gymnastics. it. Gymnastics. Go get the job yeah, done. You okay. can do it.
1: I just, I just <laughs> talked to Todd yesterday, as a matter of fact. He just retired from Fort Worth ISD. Yeah, yeah. And I said, what are you doing to occupy your time now? And he goes, well, I'm taking my test to go judge gymnastics at the national level. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Very yeah. So good. you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So uh, we kind of – perfect segue here. Uh, there are quite a few new athletic directors around the state If one wanted to get plugged into the association more, THSADA, how would they go about doing that?
1: Well, there's several several ways to do that. Um, I would say anybody that was a coach that was looking at, you know, stepping into athletic administration, the very first thing I'd tell them to do, and that's based on the number of people we've run through in the the Quad A program and and the quality of the Quad A program, Uh, And that's also a good gauge to determine if athletic administration is right for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first thing I would tell them is uh, get into into our Quad A program. Get into the Quad A program. It's sort of the entry level into athletic administration. It it will give you a window to look through to see if this is really where you want to go. And we offer our Quad A program. our quad A program at our spring sponsor showcase and certainly our state conference, and we've had uh, two years of our quad A program, and we run 453 people through the through the quad A program. So 453 people have got into that program to essentially see if athletic administration is something they want to do, yeah. and quite quite a few of them have stayed with it as well. But that's. That's the, that's the first thing. That's the first thing I would do, and we do we we do the quad A at our state conference in June, and we try to fit it into when coaches may just have a little bit of free time that they yeah. can attend and and go there because before our conference, if you recall, Jay, it used to be in March, right, right. and it was such a horrible time to be out of the office and, and be away from the school district in the month of March. Cause we both know what March is like for athletic directors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we ended up moving that to June and it incorporated that quad a program much, much better. Cause then those, those young, young people have have an opportunity to attend. So that's the biggest thing is just, just get in and let's just see if you see if it's something you like, you know, let's talk about budgeting. Let's talk about scheduling. Let's talk about staffing. Let's talk about all that stuff. And see if that's something that's attractive to you, and if it is, then you just continue to roll through it and get up into the TAC program and 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 go from there. So that yeah. would be my
0: suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and just continuing the the state conference talk, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it written down here, but but I think the 2024 state conference is is June 2nd through 5th. Uh, it's in that window, if I'm not right on second through fifth. But what what I think is going to happen is I think, I think our attendance is going to go up, especially amongst our campus coordinators, head football coaches, uh, the people that aren't necessarily in the role of AD, uh, but there are other types of positions who, who are members, because with the increase in, in what we're allowed to do with strength and conditioning and skills, I think moving up a week is going to help with, with the attendance at the, at the state conference.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, the positive is exactly what you said. That's that there's no doubt that that's, that's going to be a positive right there. There is a slight negative to it too, (laughs) because this last year we had our conference in conjunction with legislative council. Hmm. And so we had all those superintendents attend our conference. Right. However, all those superintendents that came to our conference decided this is a pretty good event to go to, you know. When are you doing this next year? And, well, we're doing it as you said, June second through the fifth. And they go, oh, great! That's a week before legislative council. I may come back and attend this. So <laughs> it kind of it kind of worked it kind of work, it worked itself out. But over the course of the last three years, we've seen more and more school superintendents attend uh, our state conference. Of course, we utilize them as speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're on our our. TAC committees, uh, they do some interviewing for us at the state conference, so we utilize those those folks a lot, but I do agree with you, I think moving it up is just going to get right in that nice soft spot there yep. between the schools out and strength and conditioning starts where you go, you know what, I got a week, I think I can go do a couple days of this, I'm going to go to uh, Quad A or I'm going to go to the state conference, so I, I would agree with that.
0: Yep, It's going to help my crew for sure. um yeah talk about as much as you want uh i really wanted to introduce the the ths ada committees and and the roles that they play to help uh not just your office but the association and then as as it branches off into uil and and the other associations
1: sure absolutely uh we have eight eight committees and um, we operate our committees just a little bit different than some of the other associations Uh, A a number of the other associations, they have their sitting board members make up their committees, which works great. We decided not to do that. Uh, We don't put our board members on a committee because we just feel like we wanna have athletic directors have the opportunity to serve. And uh, you don't have to necessarily be on our board of directors to serve the association. Uh, We've got a membership committee uh, that helps us with our membership concepts in each of the eight regions. We have eight committees. Uh, our membership committee, Tom Lee, is the, the committee chair of that. And uh, they have, they work with Mary, who's our director of membership, uh, developing the membership concepts, recruiting concepts concepts within the eight regions. Uh, we've got our awards committee. Uh, Russ Reeves, athletic director at Rockwall, he's the chair of that. And uh, they work with Bob DeYoung, uh, our assistant executive director, on establishing award criteria, uh, going through the selection process, presenting the awards at our hall of honor, which is at our which is at our state conference. Our policy committee, uh, Sylvia Salinas, former athletic director in Dallas, uh, now the current athletic director at Del Valle ISD over in Austin. Okay. Just took that position. Just took that position.
2: Good.
1: In fact, this was her first week working there. Uh, our policy committee, they help us with a lot of the UIL-aligned policies. So, in other words, they were real influential when the uh, transfer bill came came into play at the at the state legislature this last year. Uh, our policy committee was very involved in helping us uh, navigate through that. Um, our publications committee, Andrea Fluman, assistant athletic director in Amarillo, oversees our, our uh, newsletter that comes out three times a year. She does a... Fabulous job with that. Our newsletter is really good, and the people that are on that committee do a wonderful job with the publications. Our athletic committee is chaired by Stan Leach, who's the athletic director of Bernie. And they basically run side saddle with the UIL uh, athletic policy uh, committee there as well. And their job is to facilitate and discuss any of those issues that fit into their per view, if you will, as being members of the athletic committee. Uh, our biggest committee, chaired by Mike Bass, who's the athletic director now, and is our officials committee. And, uh, you know, we, we started off having eight members on that, and then we expanded and then expanded some more. And, you know, we've got a lot of ADs that would love to be on that officials committee. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're meeting at Fall Forum. Uh, they're going to have their meeting at Fall Forum here in, in, in a few weeks. They do a great job of keeping our membership informed of what's going on in the world of of officials. Uh, Our NIAAA committee, which uh, is chaired by Brendan Marshall of Corpus Christi. They keep us uh, aligned to what's going on at the national level with the NIAAA. And then our last committee is our TAC committee, our Texas Athletic Administrator Certification Committee, which is uh, the committee that's responsible for putting our professional development together. Joanna Denson, uh, who is also a staff member, chairs that one, and that one's just a little bit different because that that committee is so important in putting our agendas together for our professional development uh, part of our events, and uh, she chairs that committee. So uh, each one of those committees, with the exception of officials, has eight people on there So there's a lot of folks that have the opportunity to get in and serve THSADA and uh, contribute that way. Committees are a real important part of what we do. Yep.
0: It's a great great way to network as well and and grow in that sense. It is.
1: Absolutely. Get your foot in the door, raise your profile,
0: get to know some people.
1: Uh, It's a really, really good way to do it. Yes.
0: Yep. Okay. Switch gears a little bit. Talk. To us, really about the big four of the Texas associations, the relationship between THSADA, THSCA, TGCA, and the UIL. And if you're not from Texas, you don't know what I just said, but just go with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, ironically, we just got back. Bob and I just finished a meeting on Tuesday with THSCA. Okay, uh, we were there talking about some cooperative initiatives that we're going to do with. Uh, the Texas high school coaches association and uh, what, what that's going to look like. We talked about their involvement with us at our state conference. And we talked about our involvement with them at coaching school. Uh, Actually, we talked about some committee stuff that we're, we're thinking about doing Um, so many, our biggest group in our membership of THSAD, our single biggest group is the AD head football coaching group. Mm. Uh, we have more AD head football coaches as members of THS ADA than any other group. Uh, coincidentally, you know, probably 90% of our members are members of THSCA as well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, including Bob and I and some of our staff members as well. So we work with THSCA uh, very, very closely on a lot of things. We were very involved with them during the state legislative uh, uh, sessions this last spring, uh, particularly with NIL, uh, Joe and I worked with, uh, with a, with a group on the NIL stuff. And, um, yeah, like I said, we just, just finished a long meeting with them on Tuesday. TGCA Sam and his group, we, we were involved with, them. we have been involved with them for a long time. They, uh, you know, a number of our folks are members of TGCA as well. And certainly with the UIL, you know, Ray Zapata, Grace McDowell, all, all those folks over there at UIL. You know, as you well know, Ray was a longtime member of THSADA, as was Grace. And uh, Ray served on our board. He was a region director. Uh, he was the head of our policy committee, and Kelly decided to leave and go to the UIL. <laughs> and uh, so we've had Ray get involved. Grace, certainly a good member as well. We worked a lot with the UIL, have been over the years. And, and not only with, with uh, Grace and Ray, but of course, A.J. and Joseph and Dr. Harrison, Dr. Mm-hmm. Brightup themselves. So the relationship between those four groups is very good. We communicate a lot on initiatives. We, we band together when we need to, when we need to approach an issue, whether it was that transfer policy, that NIL. We were all on the same front. We were all representing high school athletics in the state of Texas. And it's a very formidable group when you, when you get them all together and you're all, you know, rowing the boat the same way it can be uh it can leave a considerable impact. And it certainly did when we were talking about the NIL, I do know that we, um, w- we did a great job of addressing the NIL and at least totaling it until we are ready to uh, really be involved and help designing that thing. So, uh, good alignments, uh, good relationships
0: there. Has has the relationship between THS ADA, THS CA, and TGCA grown over the last few years, or has it has it always been really really healthy? I mean, I'm, I'm sure between the leaders, it's, it, there's been a healthy relationship just because uh, of knowing each other so well. But it just seems within the last several years that it's it's deepened and uh it's just that much stronger between i see i see more people from more leaders from each of those associations at the other associations than i recall seeing in the past
1: oh yeah um well as i said we just left tuesday in a, about a three and a half hour meeting with thsca just talking about You know just you know the collaboration between the two and what we're going to do and what our year looks like what their year looks like matching up one thing we did do you know we do we match up our schedules we want to make sure that we're not scheduling events over the other other associations so we try to stay away from that as much as as much as we possibly can yeah THSCA and the TGCA they're They're always at our events. You know, um, they're always there. Uh, Last couple years, Sam really hasn't spoke at our events, but the THSCA, you know, they've always come into our state conference and given updates as to what's going on with them and uh, what's going on with the association. Because, again, most everybody that's sitting out there in that audience, including yourself, are all members of THSCA. Mm. So it's always nice to hear what's going on. And then conversely, we we do a, a session or two at coaching school, which we did this year uh, in Houston. And I think, you know, when THSADA first came into being in 2012, um, I, I think initially it surprised THSCA uh, that the athletic directors wanted to break away and start, start, start their own group mm-hmm. because for years even with my involvement, even back when I was coaching and such, you know, we always had our hall of honor banquet in conjunction with coaching school. And that changed years ago when the the powers of being board, if you will, decided to move our hall of honor to our event, our, our state, our state conference, which has worked out really, really well. Um, There was a time early on for years that we would do lectures at TGCA and that worked really well. But then after a while, um, you're kind of rehashing the same things. And so we just decided to take a break from that and not do that anymore because we were doing it for like four or five years. And uh, we were talking about athletic administration and and so on and so forth. And um, once we got to a certain point with that, we said, you know, we've done that one enough. Let's figure out something else we can do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so anyway, the relationship, the relationship is strong. I mean, it's really, really good. You know, we, uh, uh, we always, were are always at UIL Legislative Council together. And, um, and the thing too, the relationship between the associations is necessary for the involvement of athletics in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. If, if, if we're not, collaborating. And if we're not cooperating, we're doing a disservice and we're doing a disservice to our coaches, to our student athletes, to our communities. Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, everybody, everybody works together pretty well. So that's what I'm, that's what we're seeing so far.
0: Yes. No, and, and, and I I see it, which is why I wanted to ask the question so that you could talk about it and, and and just kind of help with that. You got a, you got a strong four. Um, I, you know, I, I call them the big four, but you got a strong four. And there, there's other associations, but those are definitely the big four that ha- have a powerful voice because of membership, and, but because also of the cooperation between them that it just expands that, that power uh, within the state, especially when you're talking about legislative issues.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, THSCA does such a great job. Uh, at that level with the state legislature and um, they do a wonderful job of keeping us informed uh, of what's going on as well Uh, they're they're deep into that Um, I mean they're they're very good at what they do they've been doing it for 90 some years and they're terrific at what they do um, which is so important and you know every year I mean I go to TABC uh, haven't been to it in the last two years but I used to go to TABC into the baseball coaches convention this year. They have a good, in fact, it's at the Kalahari. Uh, they do the, the the baseball convention there and have a great turnout there. Uh, but the interesting thing, too, about our associations, whether it's THSCA or TGCA, all of them, including ADs, they're all the largest state associations of their type in the country. Mm. That's that's what's interesting about it. You know, TABC is a huge organization. The baseball coaches are huge. For a state AD association, we're certainly the largest. And then you got THSCA, which is the largest coaching group on the planet, you know. And um, so it's pretty intense in the state of Texas. It it truly is.
0: I'm going to throw you for a loop here. Maybe. Maybe I'm not, and you're going to hit a home run. I just thought about right. this. You you started talking about uh, Texas compared to uh other national uh or organizations. NIAAA in December of twenty-four, if I'm not mistaken, is gonna be their conference is gonna be in Austin. Uh what what specific functions d- does does the state have as far as being a host site and is the THS ADA uh, do they have certain responsibilities for for that and being a host state
1: well n- not necessarily i mean we've got you know, we got plenty to do on our own plate <laughs> you know yeah. and uh, but <clears throat> what we do do because uh NIAAA is coming into Austin which th- that one that surprised me a little bit but with with NIAAA coming into Austin they obviously have to have a connection because they want to certainly advertise they want it they like to bring different entities in to help celebrate the 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 national organization whether it's a concert choir whether it's a band whether it's a, whatever the case may be so they need someone or a group in Texas to to help them facilitate that, and so Melanie Henson, who mm-hmm. is our uh, uh, Region Eight director and been on our board for a long time, she is going to do that. So what Melanie will do, she'll put together a, a local group there, because you know athletic directors in Dallas and in Houston and in the Valley or whatever, they're not readily available, you know, to to go in and 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 help, at least not on a consistent basis, because. You're, you know, the NIAAA does a great job with their convention. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a, it's a good convention. It's well run. They do a really, really good job. And as they get closer to it, the, the minutia behind getting ready for any event, but certainly the National Conference, can be a, somewhat of a daily grind. So you got to have some boots on the ground in the immediate area to help you get some things done, whether it's transportation, entertainment, whatever the case may be. Well, Melanie and, and, and a group are going to be right there in San Antonio, uh, close by. So they'll be able to get to Austin when, you know, uh, some of the NIAAA folks come in to help. Melanie knows the area. She knows the ADs up in that area. So she's going to be able to help uh, the NIAAA group get some answers, get some things done at a local level thsada our office being over in houston we're really not much of an immediate help you know to, right. to doing anything over there but they, what what and becky moran from the niaa was down here for our state conference to come mm-hmm. down and observe it. uh when i got to talking to becky uh it was important that she got somebody from that area to help them facilitate their 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 efforts here and so melanie's going to be Tremendous. in fact they Melanie was very involved uh, when NIAAA was in San Antonio
0: okay she her and her
1: and Suzette uh, Ariola and uh-huh. a couple others I think uh, I'm not sure who the other ones were I can't remember at this time but you know they do a very very good job plus Melanie knows the footprint of the NIAAA. so when they're talking about what they need to get done and when they need to get it done Melanie has already done that so you know her frame of reference is is pretty good on this stuff. So she'll be a big asset
0: to them. Gotcha. Well, sorry for the curveball, but you hit it out of the park. So I I thought about it and I was just curious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite conferences. It's it is really really good. They do a good
1: job. Mm-hmm. I, I I give them a lot of credit. They they put on a good show. They do a good job. I like how they set everything up. Um, it runs like clockwork on the surface. Now underneath with you know, I know even at our level you know it can it, it, the wage could be can really, really high but uh, they do a good they do a good job i've always been impressed with what they do
0: yeah it, it's like running a tournament for at the coaching level you're uh, it, it runs seamlessly but as the coach you're just scurrying around and then you're never more happy to take a deep breath at the end of it so i'm sure it's much That's the it. same just at a at a much bigger level very true.
1: Yeah, very. Yeah, very true. We, th- I, in fact, Jay, when they, <clears throat> when they were first looking at this years ago, w- I thought originally they'd go back to San Antonio mm-hmm. because it, they had a very successful event there. I got to admit, I was surprised when they decided to go to Austin. I was too. Um, that, that that surprised a lot of us because they had such good success in San Antonio. We thought they would go back there again, but you know, but they know what they're doing. They, <laughs> I, I wouldn't question them for nothing. They, they, they hit the nail on the head every time. So, um, I'm sure it'll be a, a, another good event.
0: Yeah. Well, coach, this, this thing's flown by, uh, as we come to a close today, will you leave us with your favorite quote?
1: <laughs> favorite quote. I don't know that I have a favorite quote, but I could put, put a, uh, concept into a sentence. And what I what I like what I try to model a lot of my decisions by is this, as a leader, buy into the values of people you respect. Mm. And what I what I mean by that is, as a head coach or as an athletic director or CEO of a Fortune 500 company or whatever the case may be, to get the full efforts out of people you, 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 you've got to buy into their decisions. You've got to buy into their values. And I know even though, even as the executive director of T H S A D A, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always telling our staff, you know, tell me what you think. Um, give me your opinions. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think that's not a, a good idea? What do you think? And I always tell them just cause I'm the executive director doesn't mean I'm always right. You know, I get to make the decisions, but I I, I can make wrong decisions as well as anybody. Sure. Uh, but I, I and I think it's important as a leader that you allow your your assistant coaches or your student athletes, if you have a leadership council or whatever, to make some decisions for the good of the group, even if as a leader, you're not convinced or you might think, ah, I'm just I'm not sure that that's the right thing. But if you're gonna trust the people that work with you and trust the people that you coach or whatever, you've got to allow them the opportunity to express themselves and and have value um, in, in, into what you're doing or at least feel like, or no, have them feel like they have value in your organization. And um, because if you're asking for ideas and you're taking none of them, you're not gonna get any production. You're not gonna have a, a happy and content crew So um, my, my, if I have a major influence, or some someone that I look at as being a leader, what's indicative of a leader, I always think of Dwight Eisenhower. Hmm. And what he did, he was never a combat soldier. But he led the greatest invasion in the history of the world successfully you know, and he did such and he was the perfect leader at the perfect time to get the job done. he never, never fired a rifle, never was in combat, but he was able to keep a lid on the boiling pot of the Allies and be able to land the biggest invasion that had ever occurred when World War Two. Mm-hmm. And I've always been always and one of the things I've, I'm doing is next summer, uh, my wife and I are going back over to Europe, and one of the places I want to go oh. is to uh, 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 Saltwick House, which is where the plans and the decisions for D-Day were not, were oh, wow. were launched. Yeah, and I, I want to go see that. And um, but I've always had a great admiration for for Eisenhower and how he did things, and just can you just imagine the pressures and everything he was under, but he, he did, he put, a, he put a lot of value into people's opinions. And even though he didn't always agree with them, um, he went with them because he just felt that I got to show you that I trust you. And then I put a lot of value in, in what you, in what you think and what you do. So anyway, that's yeah. that. That's what I think.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. That, that was so good. Lots of great wisdom on this episode. Coach Dowling, Gosh, I I appreciate you picking, you know, I don't know, now we're a little over an hour uh, out of your day and just kind of sitting (laughs) aside and and just kind of shooting the bull with me and talking. This is going to be helpful for a lot of people. Uh, And and I think it just helps a lot of other people get to know uh, who you are a little bit more when they see you around. So if nothing else, we we definitely have that. But so many great nuggets here uh, to dissect. It's uh, I just appreciate you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Jay. I, I, I appreciate those kind words, and it was it's good doing this with you. And I, I appreciate you doing this kind of stuff. It's it's really it's it's really helpful, and, and and I hope athletic administrators are you know there's so many resources out there for them to, to listen to, to watch, whatever. This being one of them. So um, I'm, I'm I appreciate you thinking of me and, and taking the time out to do this. All
0: right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right, Jay. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it.